On today's show, Fred VanVleet out with no timetable for return. How severe is his injury and who steps up in his absence? Plus the latest Houston Rockets trade deadline rumors and reports, as well as Jalen Green and Alperin Chingun talking about playing with more pace after the loss against the Timberwolves. It's all coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. Throw it up to Jalen Green. Chingun here in the short row. Oh my, that's the no look. Jabari for three and the win! Yeah! Look at Tarisen! Here comes Tarisen! No! T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. The Houston Rockets select Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore. One thing I have never done is not made the playoffs, and so we want to take that step here as well. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian, a credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including... YouTube. Now, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your best bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on your way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for being an everydayer and making the show part of your day every single day. A lot to get to on today's program. Some very disappointing news with Fred Van Vliet being out Due to a left adductor strain, we'll get into the severity of that injury and what to expect from the Rockets in Fred's absence. Uh, And then also Rockets trade deadline rumors, the latest batch of reporting, a lot of names sifting around the rumor mill and why we shouldn't be expecting a big move at this trade deadline. And then also Jalen Green and Alperin Shingun both talking about the Rockets needing to push the pace after their loss to the Timberwolves. So we're going to get into all of that. But let's start with Fred Van Vliet first because this is a very uh, unfortunate outcome for the Houston Rockets because as as Emi Odoka put it earlier this season, uh, when Fred Van Vliet isn't on the court, the Rockets as a team, they just completely crater, unfortunately. Now, <clears throat> that's not been... As much the case lately, it's still a pretty drastic swing when Fred is on the court versus when he's off the court. When Fred is on the court, the Rockets have a net rating of 3.46, so plus 3.46 points um, per 100 possessions. But then without Fred Van Vliet on the court, they have a minus 4.26 net rating. Uh, That is not great. That is not a, a great swing. That's almost a almost an eight point swing, seven and a half point swing ballpark, give or take. So, first off, the severity of this injury. After reaching out and inquiring a little bit, my understanding is that even though there's not a timetable being presented right now for for Fred's injury, that it's preventative in nature, that it's more of a, a soreness kind of thing, and it also lines up pretty perfectly with where the all-star break is, right? So Fred's going to miss about a week of games. Then he's going to have the all-star break off. So he's going to get about two, two and a half weeks of rest uh, since they are are basically pulling him from game action right now. Um, I don't think it's going to be something more severe than that. My expectation would be for him to return post all-star break. 
I'd be surprised if he suited up again before the All-Star break because, again, this is almost a perfect timing kind of thing where you get to he misses a handful of games before the All-Star break. Fine. You take your L's on those and we'll get to that in a second uh, or potentially take your L's on those. But then you get that extra week of rest and hopefully that re the rest, the rehabilitation will allow him to come back uh, 100 percent after the All-Star break. And also there's there's some optimism that as Tari Eason kind of ramps things up and increases his on-court progress that he should be available post-All-Star break as well. So if you get Fred and Tari back post-All-Star break, that is, you know, really the only chance you're going to have to make a play-in tournament push this season as the Rockets are kind of on the outside looking in of the play-in tournament standings. Uh, and with a lot of road games left on the Rockets schedule, uh, they're going to have to start figuring out how to win on the road, but it's going to be really hard to do that without Fred Van Vliet in the lineup. So I don't expect him to miss a ton of time for this. A grade one strain takes up to about two weeks. Usually a grade two is three to six weeks, and then a grade three strain can take up to four months. My understanding is it's not a severe injury. It's, again, precautionary in nature. So I expect Fred to be back post-All-Star break. That said, what the hell do the Rockets do while Fred's gone? Um... The obvious choice, well, the almost, the sort of obvious choice would be just throw him in Thompson into the starting lineup, right? That seems to be the one that makes the most sense. Uh, I don't know if that's actually what Ime Odoka is going to do, though. And, and here's my reasoning why. I think that Amin has been absolutely incredible. He has been a game changer. His level of play is picked up in recent weeks. He looks more comfortable and aggressive offensively. He's starting to really understand how he can pick and choose his spots and be effective. His ability as, as a defender is off the freaking charts. Like, he's easily one of the Rockets' best defenders, and he's a rookie. That's impressive stuff. All that to say, though, the Rockets are now down to two primary ball handlers, and that's Jalen Green and a man Thompson, you put them both in the starting lineup, then you're going to wind up hitting that snag where you're going to have to stagger them, right? So do you throw them both out there to start and then you pull a man Thompson early and let Jalen Green play the rest of the first quarter? Do you pull Jalen Green early? It becomes kind of that weird thing. So I don't know if it makes maybe a little bit more sense to start with. And the other element here is the lack of shooting. That's kind of the bigger part is as much as what, you know, Amin Thompson brings a lot of amazing things to the table. He is not a great shooter. And that complicates things a little bit, even though he's been incredibly effective at moving without the basketball and not settling for just taking wide open threes that the defense would absolutely take as a win if he were to attempt them. I wonder if it makes more sense to include a shooter in the starting lineup. So that would be either Aaron Holiday or potentially Cam Whitmore. And you basically slide Jalen down to being your full-time point guard, your full-time primary ball handler. You have either Cam or Aaron Holiday out there in the starting lineup to add that additional shooting presence, keep the floor spacing with the rest of the starters. And then you can still be aggressive and you can still give a ton of minutes to Amin Thompson in the absence of Fred Van Vliet. Cause let's be honest, you've got to make up the fact that Fred plays like 70 minutes a night. So you're going to have to divvy up those minutes somehow. I just don't know if it makes a ton of sense to start with Amin Thompson being the non-shooter and the fact that it kind of does muck up the offense just a little bit, especially if, you know, when you don't, you don't really know how the game's going to go, right? If you have a game where, you know, Dylan and Jabari are both hot from three and Jalen's got it locked and loaded from three, then maybe you get away with having two non-shooters on the floor. But you don't know how that's going to look until the game starts and you have an idea of, oh, great, we're hitting shots tonight, or, oh, great, we can't hit the broadside of a barn. So 
Amin Thompson is the clear, probably most obvious choice to start in place of Fred VanVleet, and maybe I'm overthinking things here, um, but I wouldn't be completely shocked to see one of Cam Whitmore or Aaron Holiday take over the starting role in, uh, and have Amin Thompson and Jalen Green kind of splitting those primary ball handler duties, uh, you know, with him coming off the bench, potentially. So at least there's some thoughts there. And then also, just in the absence of Fred, hopefully we see a ton more Alper and Shingoon, right? Fred is a guy who controls the ball, runs the offense for the majority of the game for the Rockets. Without Fred out there, the Rockets need guys who are capable of just running the offense well. And Jalen has improved considerably in, in the last you know few weeks and really just the entire season as a whole at be, it being a better distributor, making better reads, all that stuff. The scoring uptick has been really pleasant to see these last few weeks, and that's kind of helped some of his playmaking. He had the seven assists uh, team high against the Timberwolves most recently. So Jalen should be totally fine running the offense, but I want to see more reps for Alper and Shingun as well now that Fred VanVleet's not going to be out there to steer the ship. Coming up, want to get into the latest Houston Rockets trade deadline rumors, as well as Jalen Green and Alper and Shingun both talking about the Rockets needing to push the pace after their loss to the Timberwolves. We're going to get to all of that and so much more here in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all those who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And hey, if you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about getting together with good friends and family, finding a great spot on the couch, grabbing some, you know, some food, some football snacks, all that good stuff, and getting in on some amazing football action. And hey, let's be honest, the Super Bowl commercials are always a really fun, exciting part of Super Bowl Sunday as well. Look, FanDuel has so many different ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three, depending on your betting luck. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Again, that's 200 bucks in bonus bets, and all you have to do is make sure that first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Let's get into the latest NBA trade deadline buzz as it concerns your Houston Rockets. And the first little tidbit that we have here per Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports, apparently the Chicago Bulls tried to trade Zach Levine to the Rockets for a deal centered around Jalen Green. Um, let's just go ahead and say that, especially with Zach Levine shutting himself down for the season, opting for for knee surgery, I believe it was. Um, was it knee surgery or foot surgery? Whatever. Zach Levine shut down for the season. Let's just say I'm glad that the Rockets did not entertain that deal. Um, and it doesn't exactly make a ton of sense, right? Like, Zach Levine is basically a, a, a currently better version of Jalen Green, yes, but do you really want to be tied down to a $50 million version of that player, easily the most expensive contract on your roster, um, when, let's face it, like, Zach Levine's just not worth that amount of money. Like, he he's good in his role, but he's probably not worth that contract, and that's the kind of move you make if you're the Rockets that would keep you on the treadmill of mediocrity, because... Let's face it, even though Jalen Green has struggled this season, even though he's underperformed, first off, he's found himself, you know, a, a new, a nice little offensive rhythm as of late. So TBD on whether that is something permanent. 
Uh, he struggled against the Timberwolves, but we'll get in on that uh, in segment three a little bit when we talk about the Rockets pushing the pace more. But, you know, if Jalen Green hits it, even like, you know, 80% of his potential, then he's already Zach Levine. So why would you trade a cheaper, inexpensive version that you have a lot of team control on for the next, you know, what, five years if you decide you want to give him a rookie scale extension on a much cheaper dollar figure? Uh, than Zach Levine. And that's the, again, that's the kind of like instant gratification, you know, rush the rebuild, like try to win now kind of move that you would make if you were a bad organization. So I like that the Rockets did not entertain, uh, entertain that trade. Another note from Jake Fisher is that uh, the Rockets are not entertaining the idea of a massive deal ahead of the deadline. So we're not going to see any kind of like blockbuster trades or anything at this deadline. And that kind of matches the eye test. We also have uh, Adrian Wojnarowski and Bobby Marks, both of ESPN kind of stating that they haven't ever seen a trade deadline. So quiet going into the deadline, right? There's no, there's no major rumblings. There's no disgruntled stars. Like nobody's shaken loose. The Rockets are a team that are poised to make a push for a significant star player at some point, whether that's, whether that's, you know, a Zion Williamson, whether that's a Joel Embiid, whether that's a Donovan Mitchell, whether it's a Lowry Markinen, whoever they have the assets, they've got the young pieces as potential blue chip prospects to make the centerpiece of a deal, all that stuff. Doesn't sound like there's going to be a big blockbuster name shaking loose at this trade deadline, so it wouldn't be shocking if the deadline was a little bit quieter. And keep in mind, the Rockets also already made the Steven Adams deal, uh, which kind of signals that this Rockets team understands, hey, we're not all in on trying to, you know, push our chips to the center of the table to make like a ninth or 10th slot in the Western conference to make it to the play in tournament. Right. And that's, that's the approach you would want them to make, take. If, if they make the play in tournament with what they have on hand right now, cool. Should they still go out and maybe source for like a little bit of additional shooting or, you know, picking up a backup big off like waivers, like a Bismack Biombo type. Absolutely. I think they should do that. But it also doesn't mean that you, make a rushed trade because you think it's going to make you like five wins better this season, especially if you're mortgaging your future in order to do so. And that's kind of what the Steven Adams trade told us a little bit is the Rockets making that move for Steven Adams is not necessarily them punting on this season, but what it signals is that they're willing to be patient and either make a big splashy move this off season using that Steven Adams salary, or that they're just hopeful that he can come back and be a piece of this team next year as a serviceable backup big to Alper and Shingun. Uh, another big man name that the Rockets uh, apparently considered making a run at, at uh, Andre Drummond before they picked up Steven Adams. Now, the weird thing is here, I think you could still go get Andre Drummond. If you really wanted like a serviceable backup big, a big body, somebody who can go out there and, and you know, you're not going to give up any size with Drummond out there on the floor. He's an elite rebounder, so-so um, defender. But, you know, rebounding is an area that the Rockets have been getting absolutely decimated on. They just don't have enough size. And for some reason, Jabari hasn't really been himself since coming back from injury. My assumption is that he's probably still playing through a little bit of pain, maybe. Um, he hasn't had the same level of aggression on the glass. They're still missing Tari Eason. And Shingun has kind of regressed a little bit when it comes to the rebounding department. So 
they need some big man help. They need somebody they can go to on a night like when Shingun was struggling with Jonas Valanciunas. They need a big body that they can just throw out there against other guys. So again, I said I said Bismack Biombo already. Andre Drummond would be an interesting name to go after. But I think there might also be a market for Andre Drummond, unfortunately, because you've got teams like the Philadelphia 76ers, who are now without Joel Embiid for potentially the remainder of the regular season, even if he makes a postseason uh, return, they've got to find a way to stay afloat for the rest of the regular season. So Drummond is a guy with history, played for Philadelphia before. He, that's at least one other team that could be making a run at Andre Drummond. So maybe the Bulls are trying to kind of drum up a little, no pun intended, drum up a market for Andre Drummond. Oh God, I hate myself for that one. Um, there's also... That you know, again, no no stars available, unfortunately. So there's that to monitor. But the other crazy thing is just that a lot of the reporting that has come out around this trade deadline has indicated the Rockets are very willing to include Jalen Green in a trade for um, kind of a a marquee wing, if you will. Um, Mikhail Bridges is the name that constantly comes up. It makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense from both sides. And the reason I don't think the Mikhail Bridges trade is the same in a vacuum as, say, like the Zach Levine trade from earlier, even though uh, Levine, Mikhail, roughly same timeline, um, they're completely different players. And I do think that if you're the Rockets, again, the whole crux of the argument with Jalen Green and, and his performance this season has been, well... He's been underperforming. Yes, it's taken him some time to adjust and, and hopefully, you know, knock on wood that he's found, you know, this new permanent version of himself where he can find some sustainable success. But the Rockets are doing their due diligence because if you've got a prospect in Cam Whitmore who has all these tools, all these gifts, all this scoring ability at 19, how good is he going to look two, three years from now when he's where Jalen Green is at currently because Jalen Green's about to turn 22. So the Rockets are doing their due diligence on trying to see if there's another team out there that A, is at least bought in still on Jalen Green's overall potential as a player and then B, getting back a player that they think is a better fit for them long term. And I do think that because you, if you, look, if you didn't have Cam Whitmore as a prospect, I'd probably feel a little bit differently about the idea of trading Jalen Green because you still need, in today's NBA, you need dynamic wing scorers and and even though Jalen's a guard right it's basically you've got your 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 lead ball handler you've got multiple wings and you've got a big man on the floor that's today's NBA so if they didn't have Cam Whitmore I'd probably feel differently about trying to trade Jalen Green but they do have Cam Whitmore and he's going to be on a team-friendly contract for a much longer time period he's already shown insane flashes in his game he's only going to get better as a player he may never be quite the playmaker that Jalen Green has grown into, which is a nice development for Jalen Green, but they might not also need him to be that playmaker, right? If if Amin Thompson hits and does his job and they've still got Fred Van Vliet and Alper and Shingun, if all they need is a bucket getter who can get them an efficient 25 plus on any given night, that's kind of already Cam Whitmore. So if you have the chance to turn Jalen Green and maybe a couple of those Brooklyn Nets picks into a Mikhail Bridges, who is an all-NBA caliber defender, um, who's been thrust into a bit of a bigger role with the Nets than than he's probably suited for, but would be a fantastic like third kind of option behind Alperin Shingun slash Fred Van Vliet or Alperin Shingun slash Jabari Smith Jr. as he kind of comes into his own offensively or down the line as Cam Whitmore grows into his own offensively. There's endless possibilities there. So 
my question is, and, I, and I'm curious your thoughts here because I haven't had the chance to really canvas the NBA landscape as much as I would like. Um, what other marquee wings are out there? Like who else? Because I already voiced my opinions on this. If a Jalen Green, Mikhail Bridges swap is on the table in some capacity without the Rockets giving up all of the Brooklyn Nets picks, only some of them go back uh, again, i.e. like, the 2024 pick this year, and maybe the swap from next year gets removed. That's the most that I would do in a deal with the Nets. If that's on the table, I would do that trade. What other wings are out there on the market that you would consider a Jalen Green trade an appropriate return for? Uh, who are some of the other names out there that you'd be interested in the Rockets pursuing? Again, it, the likelihood of it happening at this deadline seems slim to none, but the Nets have also done this before where they've dug their heels in all the way up until the deadline and then suddenly changed their mind and decided to start wheeling and dealing. So this is probably Sean Marks and the Nets front office posturing, holding out for as long as possible until they see what the market looks like. And again, every game that the Nets lose going into the deadline helps the Rockets as far as these negotiations goes because that pick just looks better and better and better with every single passing day. So... Uh, coming up, want to get into some of the post-game commentary from Jalen Green and Alperin Shingun after the loss to the Minnesota Timberwolves. We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Look, sometimes we all need the opportunity to get something off our chest, big or small. Certain things can really start to get to you. It's important to let that out, especially to someone who's unbiased when it comes to your life. So today, I want to say how I really feel about something. You might even be thinking the same thing this week, and that's because... When I don't have a dog in the race, when it comes to the Super Bowl, I think I enjoy the commercials more than I actually enjoy the game itself, right? Like, I'm not sitting there, you know, glued to the TV, locked in, because I don't, you know, I don't really have a vested interest in which team ultimately wins or loses. So, for me, Super Bowl Sunday is oftentimes more about the actual commercials, and, and unfortunately, these last few years, the commercials have been kind of mid, but hopefully, knock on wood, they can have some better commercials this go-around, but in all seriousness... Um, you know, when, if you have something you need to talk about, something that you are kind of burying down deep inside, it can be really helpful to talk to an unbiased third party about that. Therapy can be different for everyone. Most of us have bigger problems than our favorite sports teams, and it's important to get those things off your chest every once in a while. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on NBA. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, I want to run this post-game interview back with Jalen Green for his thoughts after the loss against the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, because I thought there were some interesting comments from him in there that I want to unpack. So we're going to do that really quickly. What made them so difficult to finish against? Really, I mean, Andy just got hot, and then they, once you know, he got hot, he started, the whole team just started going. Um, they was with him the whole first half. Um, the third quarter is where we just lost it. You were getting to the rim quite a bit, but weren't finishing. What made it different than the other games? Big team. Um, no rhythm out there. There's no flow offense. It's just it's all set. And, you know, it's a big team. It's hard to play against a set, off, a set defense. Um, I don't, I don't know. There's no rhythm. How, what lessons? You always say you take lessons from a loss. What lessons do you take from a team that size and how difficult they are to guard? Uh, 
I mean, with a team like that, we just got to get out and run. You know, they got two bigs out there. We got athletes on our team. We got to push the pace, get up the court. I mean, we didn't. I mean, we had some traditional buckets, but it's like we got to push the pace all game. So, um, yeah, that, that's probably the biggest takeaway is just, you know, we got bigs out there. Just push. Okay, so a lot of thoughts from this one, like, 60-second clip from Jalen Green. First off, uh, apologies, missed the recap of the Timberwolves game, had some personal stuff going on uh, on Monday, made it a little bit difficult to get an episode out, so my apologies to you, dear listener. Uh, but the Rockets did, they they played well enough defensively to win that game, even with Ant going off in that third quarter. So to kind of address what Jalen talked about first there, um, where they kind of really struggled that game was was offensively. And the, the Timberwolves are a fantastic defense. Uh, they defend well at the rim. They defend well at the three-point line. They force you to take a bunch of middies. They've got a ton of length and size that really bothered the Rockets in this game. Like, every single player on this Rockets roster was bothered by the length and size of the Timberwolves, all the way starting with Fred Van Vliet and Jalen Green in the backcourt, all the way up to Alper and Shingun at the five-man spot. So... I understand kind of where Jalen was coming from with talking about their team and what made it so difficult to finish at the rim compared to previous games where he'd finished at the rim really, really well. And I do think that that is at least something that you have to look at as far as concern because the process has been a lot better for Jalen Green in the last few weeks. Um, we've seen him, you know, as, as overall the entire season, we've seen him improve as a defender and as a playmaker. But really these last few weeks is where he's like locked in and started to really understand how to get to his spots offensively, even against some good interior defenders like the Lakers with Anthony Davis out there. So that being said, when you do have a team with the size and physicality of the Timberwolves, that is one of the drawbacks to just kind of who Jalen Green is as a player is he's a bit undersized. He's, you know, clocks in at like 6'4", maybe 6'5". Um, and he's still not, you know, all the way grown into his NBA body yet. And he may never, like, have a ton of... He may never look like Anthony Edwards, right? He's not... I don't expect Jalen Green to, like, suddenly throw on, like, you know, have an extra 20, 25 pounds of muscle, you know, three, four years from now. He's going to keep adding muscle. But I think Jalen's frame, he's always going to be kind of that wiry, slender you know, explosive, quick guy who relies on his agility more so than his power or his strength to finish, you know, at the rim. So you see a game like this where, you know, the Tim all that size from the Timberwolves, it really kind of mucked things up and it really made things tough for Jalen in this game. So that's at least something to consider because you also see the moments where you have a guy like Cam Whitmore who's, you've got announcers and even his teammates have called him like a man child at, at certain points this season because he's already got an NBA body, right? He's, he's six, six two thirty, Um, and when he goes and draws contact, like guys go flying, right? He's like a bowling ball, just knocking down pins when he drives. So that's not really a concern that you're going to have with Cam Whitmore further down the line is, you know, Oh, is he ever going to be able to finish through contact and finish in traffic at an elite level, whatever he's going to get it figured out for Jalen the margin for error is just a lot slimmer because he has to do all that extra work of, you know, planning his moves and, and, and attacking and reloading and then attacking again or, or you know, using the hang dribble and, and faking out a defender because he has to get to the rim without the contact in large part to be able to make sure that he can finish properly at the cup. So that's at least something to consider. But the major point here that I wanted to unpack and highlight is... 
for a bunch of different reasons, is Jalen talking about the pace. Um, first off, I fully agree with Jalen's point about they need to be running more, especially against a team with multiple bigs out there. With When you have Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns on the floor, there's no reason that the Rockets shouldn't be absolutely blazing up and down the court trying to get those guys in transition rather than attacking a set defense. And that's one of the drawbacks, unfortunately, of Fred Van Vliet, who plays a little bit slower, Alper and Shingun, who plays a little bit slower, but is able to play at a faster pace. More on that in a second. Um, and to me, I, I think that the Rockets do have the weapons and the personnel to play faster. They just need to like embrace it a little bit better. And when I say embrace that, what I mean is Jay, I mean, Jalen said it best, right? It's, you know, when you get a good defensive stop, I think the Rockets have this, you know, innate nature or whatever, where they just, they just want to bring the ball up. They just, you know, Fred wants to walk it up. They want to get in their sets, whatever. And it's really hard to attack a good top-notch defense when they're able to set their defense every single time down. Now, I will push back and say that you can't rely exclusively on fast-break offense to bail you out. Like, whoever matches up with the Timberwolves in the playoffs you're not going to be able to rely on being, you know, a run and gun fast break team who's going to get 30, you know, 40 plus points in transition every single night. 20 plus points in transition is phenomenal, right? The season leader for NBA transition fast break points or whatever is hovering around like 18 a game, I think 17 a game, something like that. Whereas the last team in transition points is like hovering around like 11 or 12 a game. So transition opportunities is not something that you can build an entire offense around, but it is something that in a given matchup or for a specific stretch of a game. So for example, like when you have two bigs out there in Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns, then yes, maybe you lean further into it and you get those stops and you immediately, you know, let loose and go out and transition. And you try to find those opportunities before the defense gets set, right? Maybe you force a couple mismatches to where Carl Anthony Towns has to check Jalen Green or something like that on the perimeter. Those are different ways that I would have liked to see the Rockets. And again, I, I'm in full agreement with Jalen Green there. Try to attack the Timberwolves uh, offensively because they just couldn't get it done in the half court. Now, the other side of this is the Rockets execution was good enough to win that game offensively. They just could not knock down any open shots. And that is problematic because not only is this Rockets team uh, undersized uh, at Pretty much every position on the floor, they're undersized, except for Jabari at the four. They're undersized with Fred, they're undersized with Jalen, they're undersized with Dylan, and they're undersized with Alp. At four of their five positions of their starting lineup, they're undersized. So they're an undersized team that also can't shoot the basketball. And those are problematic. You can be you can be one or the other, but if you're both, you're going to really struggle, especially when you go up against a juggernaut like the Timberwolves, who are a supersized team that shoot the basketball really, 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 really well. So I wanted to bring up the pace conversation, though, uh, because there are some numbers that support that the Rockets uh, can look better with a faster paced offense. And the one trio that I've seen, we have talked about this kind of in passing, but I finally I finally had the chance to dig up the numbers on it. Uh, the Rockets three man lineup of Jalen Green, Cam Whitmore and Amin Thompson, when they're on the floor together, they have a 116.19 pace when they're on the floor. That's really damn good. They they play fast when those three guys are on the floor together. 
They have a 108.4 offensive rating, a 102.1 defensive rating, good enough for a net rating of plus 6.3. That is really encouraging, and it kind of matches the eye test that when Amin Thompson and Cam Whitmore are out there with Jalen Green, they they basically transform into a completely different dynamic where suddenly the team actually runs and they play fast and they're trying to get out in transition. And part of that is because you've got multiple guys. Jalen is a one-man fast break waiting to happen. Cam Whitmore is a one-man fast break. Amin Thompson is a one-man fast break. And so when you've got all three of those guys, any one of them can get the rebound and then just run and go. And then the other two can fill the lanes on the you know on either side of whoever the primary ball handler is. It makes you really hard to guard in transition, and it picks up the pace of the game. And at times, that can favor that second unit, and especially because it's such a drastic change of style from the Rockets' primary unit, right? It's kind of like, let's go back to, I'll use the the you know Chris Paul-James Harden analogy from the past. When James was in the game, right, they played heavy isolation, all the offense went through James, heliocentric, all that. But then when Chris was running the offense while James was on the bench, they they started running more set plays, a lot more heavy pick and roll, less isolation. Like, you know, the the complete, the, the identity of the team changed drastically depending on who was running the show between James Harden and Chris Paul. And that's kind of what I'm feeling from this team right now is when Fred is not in the game and kind of slowing things down and getting into the half court and running those half court sets, the Rockets just play as a faster team. And it's not that, and I also want to highlight here, Alperin Shingun is also very capable of playing fast because there's three-man lineup data. Jalen Green, Alperin Shingun, and Cam Whitmore, when those three are on the floor, they have a 110.01 pace. Um, and then there was another one down here uh, when it's Alperin Shingun, Amin Thompson, and Cam Whitmore. They have a 112.92 pace. So they can, they can play fast, and Alperin Shingun can also play fast. And he said as much in that post-game interview after the Timberwolves loss where he said that they needed to play faster. And here's the kicker, and this is the really weird part. And talk about a talk about a full circle moment because I've had people come after me and label me a Jalen Green hater and all this stuff. Um, so I'm going to push back here for a second because I thought it was really weird how Jalen and Al P basically said the exact same thing post game, where they they need to play faster. Now Jalen was a little bit more descriptive when he talked about it. He said we need to play faster. It's hard to go against set deep, yada yada. All the points that he brought up. Shingun basically said the same thing, just in fewer words. And yet, Jalen got, like, cooked for it on social media. And again, I I agree to an extent, and I highlighted my reasons why, and, and, you know, illustrated why you can't exclusively rely on playing faster, but why situationally it might work, all that stuff. But Jalen got, like, charbroiled on social media for the suggestion that he plays, that he needs to play faster, or that the team needs to play faster. People were calling him, like, low IQ, like, all these all these insults. And I was just like, this is really weird behavior. Because, again, Shingun literally said the exact same thing, but there was nobody coming for Shingun's head after him saying it. So I thought it was a little strange. Um, and again, I call it how I see it. And I, I saw that reaction to those two post-game clips. And I was like, why is Jalen getting all this hate and Shingun's not getting any of it if you're so opposed to the idea of the Rockets, quote-unquote, playing faster? Um, so yeah, look, the Rockets have a lot of issues as a team. They've got to figure out their shooting. Um, you can't win games if Shingun and Jalen, your two big guns, are struggling the way that they did against the Timberwolves and nope, the role players aren't hitting shots and then Anthony Edwards goes supernova in the third quarter. It's going to be really hard to win a game. Uh, that's why the Timberwolves are so good this season. But I wanted to unpack that comment, share some thoughts on it because I thought it was important to tackle. But with that, 
That's going to do it for today's episode. I want your thoughts in the YouTube comments. If you're listening to this on a podcast or, you know, podcast feed, if you're watching on YouTube, give me your thoughts about the entire episode in the comments. Give me your thoughts on what the Rockets should do with Fred Van Vliet out of the lineup. Let me know your thoughts on all the latest trade intelligence and reporting and rumors. Um, what would you like to see the Rockets maybe try and do ahead of the NBA trade deadline, even if it's nothing massive, even if it's just smaller moves? Uh, and give me your thoughts on the pace commentary from Jalen Green and also Alper and Shingun. Let me know in the YouTube comments. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. <laughs>